I, I got some sleep that night, and I, I just kept going. And, and you know what? God helped me. The Lord helped me. The Lord was, was, was with me. He guided me. He strengthened me. And he, and he put some people around me. And, and, and you know, I, I look back at that time, and, and it was a time that I wanted to quit. And I said to this young man, look, the best thing I've done in ministry so far is that I haven't quit. And I don't know if you've ever been in that spot when you're serving the Lord. I mean, you're really doing what's right, and, and you're trying your best, and, and, you're, and you feel like you're obedient. You feel like, man, Lord, I'm, I'm doing my best to walk with you, and it's just not working out. I mean, I was with a, one of our church members last night. He's trying to serve the Lord. He's honoring the Lord. He's, he's been sick. And, man, he had to go rush to the hospital last night. And we were up there, and he's discouraged. And there are times we get discouraged. And, and that's why I'm so grateful for Acts 18. That's where we are today, because Paul is discouraged. Paul's ready to quit. In fact, I think he does quit in Acts 18. But what's cool about God is he doesn't let him quit. Now, Acts has been this incredible study, and, I, and I've loved going through the book of Acts. It's very important for us because we're in the second half of Acts where, where Paul is on his missionary journeys. And these missionary journeys are really important for us because Paul goes into these different places, and, and he shares the gospel in different ways. And, and so we learn a lot about how to share the gospel with people, how to persevere, and and. And, you know, he's really discouraged, and, and I get it. I get it that he's discouraged because if, you, if you've been with us through the book of Acts, and we saw when he was on his first missionary journey to Iconium, which is the region of Galatia, and, and he goes to Iconium, he's preaching the gospel, these people come against him, these Jews come against him, and they stone him. I mean, they, they hit him with rocks, and, and this is a bad day for him. I mean, they thought they had killed him. Everybody thought he was dead. He's outside the city, laying down. Everybody thinks Paul's dead. But he gets back up, and the believers come around him. He goes back into the city, and then he gets out of town. Uh, now, I believe in that moment, Paul had some disfiguration on his face. I think there were literal marks on his face from that experience in Iconium. And, and I think possibly, you know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We knew he couldn't see. I think in Iconium was where he got the injuries that damaged his eyesight. And, and so then, Iconium, he goes on in his missionary journeys. He goes to, uh, to, to the region of Philippi. Remember in Philippi, we looked at this, how he gets thrown into jail, beaten with rods, and he's in prison. And, and then God moved, and Lydia got saved, and, and that's where the church at Philippi began. And so, um, and then it, it's really crazy as his journey continues. He goes to Thessalonica. Now Thessalonica, he, had, he was only there about three weeks. We looked at this, and and in those three weeks, lots of really good things happened. I mean, the church really grew. That was where First and Second Thessalonians. It was written to that church in Thessalonica, and uh, and Paul got to see some fruit there. But then he goes to Berea. Remember Berea, and and he and and he. In, in Berea, he gets run out of town, and, and, and then he goes to Athens. We looked at that last week. Athens was an intellectual spot, all these, these smart people, and, and, and the Jews are following him around, kicking him out of town and running him out, and he goes to Athens, and in Athens, he works his tail off in Athens, and only a few people come to Christ. I mean, we only know of just a small number. So now Paul goes to Corinth in Acts 18. 
And, and by the time he goes to Corinth, he's pretty down. He's been beaten. He's, he's not seen a lot of results of his ministry. And I don't know if you've ever been in that spot where you're working really hard and, and you even want to serve the Lord, but you're not seeing any results, maybe in the lives of your children and your own life. But here's Paul, and he goes to Corinth. Would you stand with me? We're going to read together one, verses 1 through 11 in Acts 18. But we're going to process just a little bit further behind that and but let's, uh, if you're a guest today, we like to stand in honor of reading God's word just as a way of saying, look, this is God's word, not our word. And so it's just a way to honor his word today. So after I read the text, I'll just state the obvious that this is the word of the Lord. I'd love it if you'd respond by saying, praise be to God. Would you do that? Acts chapter 18, verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them because he was of the same trade. He stayed with them and, and, and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived in Mas- from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking. And do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, now you, know, you know how cities uh, sometimes develop these slogans? You ever notice that? Like, like, remember, I don't know who was in this meeting years ago that had the slogan for Oklahoma. Remember, Oklahoma is okay. Okay, who's in that meeting? That's a bad, I mean, someone should have spoken up and said, okay, that's not a really good slogan, right? Because, I mean, I mean, that was all in our life. Is this still in our license plates? I haven't looked. Okay, I'm glad we changed that. Okay, Oklahoma is okay. Hey, come here, it's okay. You know, come on. That was a bad meeting. That was a bad slogan for our city. I love Owasso's slogan for the city. It's, it's, uh, it's we're, a, we're a city of character. That's better than okay. That's good. That's pretty good. But, you know, if you were going to come up with a slogan of Corinth, it would be something like, uh, it would be worse than Sin City, like, like uh, Las Vegas, right? It, I don't think Las Vegas is promoting on their uh, marquee, hey, welcome to Sin City. Do they do that? Uh, no, they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, well Corinth is this place that is like, like, it was wild. Even the wild people, the, the, the immoral people would go, ooh, Corinth, man, they're bad in Corinth. That was the reputation. It's an interesting place. Um, 
Like, for instance, if, like, at the time of Paul and, and, and if the, the plays and the, and the uh, if there was a play that you would go to and, and there was a character who was a Corinthian, that character would always be drunk. Okay, that was just the, the reputation of Corinth. If you were, uh, if you would say to a woman, oh, you're a Corinthian, that would mean, ooh, that's a, that's a woman of the night, okay? That's, a, that's one of those night trip ladies or whatever. You know, they, they had those kind of reputations. That was the reputation of Corinth. It was a wicked place. And Paul goes there on a missionary journey. And it's interesting, he goes, when he goes, he goes by himself. And, 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 and when he gets there, there, there were some incredible things that happen. And, 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 and as we look at this passage, there, there's some very things I want us to notice. And here's my conviction about church right now in the United States of America. In many situations in America, church is kind of like this pep rally that, that we go to and get all hyped up. And, and that's okay to some degree. We need to get excited about serving the Lord. But, but really what Sunday morning is for us shouldn't be a pep rally but a prep rally, right? We, we need to prepare. What God is doing is preparing us to serve him in the world. And, 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 and we've got to really understand as we follow Jesus, it's, it's sometimes challenging. One of the convictions I have as a pastor is, is I don't want to make the gospel um, so appealing to the world that I distort the message of Christ. Okay, I can't do that. That, that, that to follow Jesus, is, it, it's not easy. Point number one for us today, and, and we see it in this text, is God did not call us to an easy path. And as a Christian, we will not face an easy path in the world. And this is what I'm convicted of as, as a pastor in the United States of America. Sometimes we want to make this easy and comfortable. But the reality is following Jesus is a lot of things, but it's never been comfortable and it's never been easy. And so I want you to know that. Uh, this is important. You know, you know, a couple weeks ago, um, I got to hang out with this missionary couple. I, I, I'm so grateful that I get to serve as a trustee for the IMB. The IMB is the International Mission Board. And, and, uh, and our church gives every year about 260-something thousand dollars to the cooperative program. That's how much we give every year to the cooperative program. The cooperative program goes to support a lot of our entities as Southern Baptists, and one of those entities is the IMB, which we send missionaries all over the world. And when I was in Richmond a couple of, uh, in September, I meet this young couple. And uh, we're talking, and, and they said, yeah, we drive through Tulsa every once in a while. I was like, oh, my goodness, if you do, would you call me? I'll take you to lunch. I'll take you out to eat. And, and so they called. Two weeks ago, they were driving through, and they said, hey, we're coming through tomorrow. Uh, can we see you? I said, oh, please, I'll take you to lunch. So um, I meet with them, and we go to Panera Bread right over here. And, uh, and this couple... I, I was just saying, tell me about your story. Tell me the details. And, and uh, she's pregnant with twins, and they have a two-year-old son. And, um, and uh, they, are, they just signed up to go with the IMB, and, and we are sending them as, as Southern Baptists um, to a country that is 99% Muslim. And they are going there to start a church. And here's what's going to happen. 
She's going to give birth to those twins in uh, about three months. And as soon as they get a health clearance, before their first year, first birthday, this family will move to this country to start a church and to start sharing the gospel. And I, and I said to him, I said, okay, how can I pray for you? <laughs> and he goes, well, here's how you can pray for me. My mom is really struggling with this. He said, my mom said to me, she loves the Lord. He said, my mom loves the Lord and is grateful that we're called to, to missions. But she said, my mom doesn't want us to go. She, goes, she said, I feel like you just joined the, the Christian Marines and you're deploying in a very dangerous country and you're taking my grandkids with you. And, and, and I was listening to them and I was like, man, I will pray for you. And I, told, I called my brother. My brother's a missions pastor. I said to Mike, I said, hey, man, I just want to ask a favor. Um, the next time I complain about my church, would you slap me in the back of the head? Because I have nothing to complain about. Because they're moving their family to a place that is dangerous. And I'm like, okay, Lord, thank you that I get to rub shoulders with Christians that are that brave. Well, see, we forget sometimes that the Christian life will require perseverance. And I want you to know that. The Christian life that we are called to live is not going to be easy. It will require perseverance for us. Did you know also the Christian life will be frustrating at times? You, there will be times as a follower of Christ that it will be frustrating to you. And this is just the path of following Jesus. And, and when, it, when you look at this passage in Corinth, that Paul in Corinth, this frustration comes to a boiling point. In fact, if you really read this carefully, you will recognize Paul quits right here. But you know what's cool about God? He doesn't let us quit. Aren't you grateful that God does not let us quit? Now, point number two is this. Do you know that it's always too soon to quit following the Lord? And as, as I've prayed about this day, about this morning, I pray that, that, that God moves us to never quit following the Lord. You know what? Some of you are close to giving up. Don't quit. Some of you maybe have come in this room today, and, and you know what? When it comes to spiritual things, you're wondering, is it really important to invest my life in spiritual things? And i got to tell you, it's the best thing you'll ever do. Spiritual training is of, Paul says, physical training is of some value, but godliness has, has value for all things, holding promise for this life and the life to come. And so we got to recognize as Christians, there are going to be times that it's, we're going to want to quit, but it's always too soon to quit. Look at verse 1. Um, this, and this is cool how this plays out. After Paul left Athens, he went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila. I, I, I say this differently every time, it seems like. That's what my wife told me. She goes, you said it like three different ways. But So, sorry. Aquila, 
Aquila, whatever his name is, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Now, we don't know who this, we don't know all the, a lot of details about this couple, but we know that, uh, that they were already believers. And what's cool is Paul is coming to Corinth and he's really frustrated. And, and God knows that he's going to be really discouraged. And so before Paul even knows it, God sends Aquila and Priscilla in advance. I love how God does this. Now, what we know about Aquila is that he, he, they were a godly couple. They were lay people. They were tent makers, it says right here. So they had, a com, they had a common interest with Paul. Paul was a tent maker. Paul came from Tarsus, which was this area that specialized in, in this black wool. And, and Paul made tents. Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers, or really that word is leather workers. And, and, and so it's interesting um, they were, they were expelled. Claudius kicked them out of Rome. And so now they have to go to, they end up in Corinth because they're kicked out. And so it was a tough time for Aquila and Priscilla, and Priscilla, but God had a purpose in moving them there. And I love it. It was for Paul. It says he went to see them, and, and they were the same trade. He stayed with them, verse 3, and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And look at what Paul does. Look at verse 4. And Paul he meets them, he's staying with them, but he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. We've seen this all through the missionary journeys. This is Paul's habit. He goes in and he reasons with people. And this is why I pray that we are one of these, these churches that are faithful to go share the gospel. Like our 2018 challenge as a church, that we are, we are challenging one another to share the gospel with as many people as your age. And I hope that you take this seriously, that, that you are going to share the gospel with people in your life. Paul was faithful to reason with people, and he did this every Sabbath. And look at this, he tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. And, and I hope that we are guilty of this, that we are faithfully trying to persuade people to see Jesus. And this is what Paul is doing. Um, then, amazingly, Silas and Timothy arrive from Macedonia. And when Silas and Timothy get here, look what Paul was doing. Paul was occupied with the word. That's a cool statement for me. I mean, I, I, I love that, that he was occupied with the Word. He had his face turned to the Word of God, and he was occupied with it, saying, look, I, I'm going to work my tail off to persuade these Jews and these Greeks that Jesus, that, look at this, he was occupied with the Word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And see, I, this is what I, I pray that we're, we're this way. But, but you know, I got to experience a little bit of what Paul did. Not, not to this extent, because I'm telling you, when I get to heaven and hang out with Paul, can I tell you one of my biggest fears? This is kind of goofy probably, but uh, I think it's true. I think that someday I'm going to be in heaven, and I'm going to be hanging out with some of my pastor friends. And anytime I hear my pastor friends gripe about stuff, I'm going to say, dude, this is going to happen. We're going to be in heaven griping about you know, something that happened in our church and Paul's going to, Paul and Moses are going to walk by and he's going to go, what'd you say? You pansies. I mean, I mean, look at this scar right here. And, and Moses is going to go, hey dude, let me tell you the stuff we didn't write about. You think that's tough. And then we're going to go, okay, yeah, sorry. Well, I'm not going to gripe ever about that. But, but look what God did for Paul. And this is what happens when we're tempted to quit do you know that 
God is faithful to provide people to help. Every time I'm discouraged, I've found that God provides people to help me. Do you know what, they, do you know what Paul said about Aquila and Priscilla? This is really cool. And I'm telling you, this is a reputation I want to have. Turn over, I'll put it on the screen, but if you want to turn over Romans 16, 3 and 4. This is what he says about Aquila and Priscilla. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, look at this, who risked their necks for my life. That's what he says about them. And then he says, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches, all the Gentiles give thanks. Isn't that an amazing reputation? I mean, I think about uh, the people in my life when I've been discouraged or, or, or I've been wanting to quit in ministry and God's put people in my life that have said, hey, man, we're with you. You're not alone. And I want you to know that's what God does. When, when you get to that point where you want to give up, the reason it's too soon to quit because God's faithful to provide people to help you. He provided Achille, he provided Priscilla, he provided Silas, and they come and they help him. Timothy comes, and, and he needed them because look at verse 6. Verse 6, you can see the frustration. And when they opposed and reviled him. Okay, th there have been very few times in my life when I've gotten up to preach, I've been opposed and reviled. Okay? I mean, think about it. Paul is preaching his guts out. He's working in the word, and he is opposed and reviled. So Paul gets so mad, here's where he quits. Verse 6, he says, he shook out his garments and said to them. Now, now this is, you remember the Jews, like, like a lot of times there was a custom that if they would walk through Samaria, they would shake the dust off their feet. Okay, that was a picture of saying, look, I am no, it was kind of a prideful thing. They would say to the, the, the Samaritans, your dust is so filthy that I'm not going to take it into God's holy land. I'm shaking the dust off my feet. So Paul stands before the Jews who had that practice, and he looks at them and he says, I am shaking the dust of my feet because you're unholy. You're not worthy. And then he says, and your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he looks at all these Jewish brothers, these people that he's known, and he says, the blood's not on my head anymore. The blood's on your head. Basically, he's saying, look, I have shared the gospel with you. I have been honest with you. And you know what you have done? You've rejected it. You have turned your face away from it. So forget you. I'm out of here. And he gets mad. He quits. But do you know what I love about God? When we want to quit, God not only sends people to help us, but God orchestrates circumstances. And I've watched God do this. I've watched God, in moments that I wanted to quit, orchestrate circumstances to help me keep going. So what's funny, I think this is kind of funny, in verse 7, so Paul quits and says, I'm out of here. And so he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, his house was next door to the synagogue. I think that's kind of funny. Because, you know, Corinth is a big city. And if he's like, I'm out of here, so forget you people, so I'm going next door. 
I'd have been saying, God, can I go like the other part of town? No, go next door because Titius is there. And look at verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord. Okay, look at this. Paul's like, I'm not going to any more Jews. Forget you, Jews. I'm going to the Gentiles. And then the next thing that happened happens, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Now, he's quit, but yet Crispus gets saved. It reminds me of Proverbs 21, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's will that prevails, right? Now, it's so cool. Look at verse 9. Paul quit. I think when Paul made that statement, your blood on your own heads, I'm shaking the dust off my feet. I think we don't hear, the, te- the text doesn't say exactly what happened, but I think the Jews said, you're dead, buddy. You think the beating in Iconian was ba- Iconia was bad? You wait till this next one. We're coming after you. Now, when I think of Paul, I think of Paul being the bravest believer in the history of Christianity. But right here, he's scared. You might say, well, how, how do you know he's scared? Because God came to him, look at this, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when there have been times that I wasn't afraid. And if, if I'm not afraid and someone comes up to me and says, hey, don't be afraid, you're like, all right, I'm not afraid. Okay. But Paul's afraid. Why? Because God knows everything. God comes to him in a vision and says, Paul, don't be afraid. I think also Paul was not wanting to speak anymore about it. Why do I think that? Because what does God say to him in the dream? But go on speaking. I think Paul was at the point where it's like, I'm done. I'm going to be silent. God says, do not be silent. And then he says one of the most amazing things that I pray we none of us never forget. He says, for I am with you. Doesn't that change everything when we know that God is with us? I stood in the hospital room last night with a guy that I've prayed for that's not feeling well. And a little curveball happened yesterday for them. And um, I just got to say, hey, look, I know you can't come to church tomorrow, but can I tell you something that God put on my heart for our church? And you're part of it. He's with you. That's big. Then he says, God says, no one will attack you to harm you. I I, I get it. Paul's like, I've been beat up. And I can see Paul saying, Chris, you've never had your face smashed in with a rock because you preached about Jesus. He's he's wanting to quit. I can understand a little bit. No one's going to harm you. Look what he says. For I have many in this city who are my people. You know what God's saying right there? God's looking into the future saying, there's going to be many people who are going to come to Christ. You know what I've thought about? 
The reason God planted this church here is that many people in the future need to come to Jesus, are going to come to Jesus, and, and we get to be a part of it. That's why we've got to be focused on sharing the gospel. That's why we can't quit. That's why we've got to make sure that Jesus is the, is the main priority of our life and following him is, 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 takes precedence over everything. And verse 11, I love this, and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So he doesn't quit. Why? Because God provided people. God orchestrated these circumstances. A third reason that he didn't quit, I just read it, God spoke to him directly. Do you know that God will speak to you directly? You know, God speaks to you. That the circumstances in your life are there for a reason. That God intervenes in your life for a reason. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. And this is why I pray that every time we come together, we expect God for you to speak in this place. And I can imagine Paul remembering Acts 1.8. Remember Acts 1.8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and so I want you to know, if you're discouraged today, not if, when you want to quit serving the Lord. Remember, God's going to provide people. He's going to orchestrate circumstances. He's going to speak to you directly. And then look at what happened. Look at verse 12. This is, this is crazy. This is like the, one of the coolest stories in Scripture. But when Galileo was pro-council of Acacia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul. And brought him before the tribunal. And now, now Paul is already told by God, look, no one's going to harm you. You're going to be all right. I'm with you. And now he's drugged before the, the pro-council again. Last time he got beaten uh, when he was there. So I, I bet he's going, okay, Lord, I'm going to see if you're going to come through here. Um, and, and, and they said in, in the tribunal saying, verse 13, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, so Paul's about to talk, he's about to get up and go, all right, I'm going to give him a defense. Gallio, sorry, big Bible name, so I'm glad I didn't name my son that. But Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or a vicious crime, O oh Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, Gallio was, not a, was, a, was a Roman, wasn't Jewish. He says, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. This is before Paul spoke. And he drove them from the tribunal. And look at verse 17. This is crazy. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. You know what? Like, if, if this was me, okay, this is my opponent. Sosthenes is his opponent. He's the leader of the synagogue. He's the one bringing the charges against Paul. And if I'm sitting here watching this play out and I'm about to speak and then the, the Roman judge says, hey, what are you doing? Man, forget this. And, and stops me from speaking and then dismisses everything. And then the Greeks, you know what they did? They grabbed Sosthenes and beat him. I'd have been like, awesome. 
sweet, man. Take that, punk. That's what I would have thought. I'd have said, the Lord's going to get you, and he's using them to do it. I love it. Now, I don't know all the things that happened, but you remember this is Corinth, right? Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 1, 1. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians 1, 1. Paul's writing later on the letter to Corinth. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother, who? Sosthenes. You're right. Somebody got saved. I don't know what happened because the Bible doesn't really tell us. But I think it's, my guess is, because Paul is such an example to us, to me, about being in this moment where he, he quits, but God won't let him quit. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if Sosthenes got beat up and Saul and Timothy and Achilla and Priscilla went and said, hey, man, can I help you? I'm so sorry. Let, let me tell you, let me love on you. But sometime in that year and a half, I think Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, came to Christ. And so here's what I've seen in my life. The times that I've wanted to quit. God's brought many of you in my life to say, look, hey, Wall, you're not alone. And, and God's used many of you to be an Achilla and a Priscilla in my life. Thank you. Thank you. And I pray that we're that way for one another. You see, when I've been down, I've watched the Lord orchestrate circumstances, cause me to meet somebody, cause me to, to get in my way and say, hey, you ought to come to church. You ought to be in church. You ought to serve the Lord. You ought to trust the Lord. I've watched God orchestrate those circumstances. I've, I've experienced the Lord just speaking to me through his word or through his spirit. I've also Watch the Lord change people's lives. You see, that's what happens when the Lord moves. Lives are changed. And folks, we can't remember, we can't forget Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, the son, son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Let me tell you something, I was lost. And Jesus saved me. I can't wait to get to heaven and to rub shoulders with Sosthenes and go, dude, you got to tell me that story. How did it happen? How did you go from the synagogue getting beaten? And then Paul writes about you in the introduction of his letter to the Corinthians. Wow. 
Are you saved? I know that's like an old preacher word. But hey, there's no better word that I can come up with. Because I needed to be saved from myself, from my sin, from my life. And I was rescued. So basically the picture of that is I was drowning. And Jesus rescued me. Because he's the only one who can rescue. Do you know him? Don't quit on him. We can't ever quit. 